you know when we look at stories and and how we interface with people they are fundamental to how we collaborate how we accept other people um it's a it's a primary source for for collaboration in fact i mean you know i i think i said in my tedx you know the sharing of stories is powerfully collaborative because you feel a kinship when your stories align right you you feel a part of what what's being said the the me becomes we Welcome to Coaches and Mentors Unwrapped. The show that brings you remarkable insights and practical steps to help you in becoming the best version of yourself. We're your hosts, Roz and Mike. We both didn't have it easy growing up. Through our story, we've made it our life mission to ensure every young individual will have the opportunity that we didn't have. This would be achieved through offering you unrivaled access to mentors and coaches and the opportunity to help you uncover how they impact our lives. Our vision is to have a world whereby we can all help shape each other's lives through shared experiences and carefully applied tools and systems that has been tried and trusted. So welcome once again, our listeners to Coaches and Mentors Podcasts. Hi guys, how are you doing? Excellent, excellent. So uh, we hope everybody's staying safe. Everybody is um, taking precautions. We have another you know, heavyweight speaker today. Um, yes, we do. Who goes by the name of... Christopher Bramley. So Christopher, welcome to Coaching Mentors Unwrapped. Welcome. Thank you. So um, I guess without further ado, I'll just read up, you know, one paragraph uh, of, of Christopher's uh, profile. Uh, he, he does a number of things. Uh, he's a coach, a leadership coach uh, and management coach. Uh, he specializes on a number of things from decision making to culture to strategy um, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you uh, tell us a bit about, you know, who Christopher is. Uh, so over to you, Chris. Sure. So, um, yeah, I, I have three main focuses, I guess. You could also call them passions. Um, you know, obviously I work as a, as a coach, uh, sometimes a mentor, you know, a consultant, all the different teacher, all the different bits that go around, all of those slightly different overlapping things. Um, in the agile space with, you know, frameworks like Lean and Agile and Kanban and Kaizen and various bits and pieces. Um, so that that's, you know, very beneficial to transformation within a company. Um, and I also work a lot with complexity. Now, you know, it sounds very academic and it can get very academic, but uh, the whole idea behind complex adaptive systems theory is actually how humans make decisions and why we do things the way that we do. So it's a very deep and broad kind of area um, and the third area is is human learning teaching and learning is, is kind of my last area of specialty where I look at kind of how we engage and how we learn essentially yeah, yeah. no exciting awesome. exciting um, so I guess I presume today's topic would, would fall in the third area I may be wrong but just for the sake of our listeners uh, today's topic is entitled the power of storytelling mm-hmm. now this is an area which I I love. I, you know, I love storytelling. You know, in the role that I currently undertake, you have to be able to tell stories and tell it the right way. Um, I mean, Roz, you, you know, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah you know, I mean, but... I've I've had a background in sales, and I, I remember the first time um, I had retail sales that I used to do, and I remember the first time, you know, stepping into um, the depth of it, and my boss telling me that you know people buy stories. Yeah. Um, and everyone loves a good story. You know, everyone loves to hear just about people, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think storytelling, there, there's power in storytelling. Yeah, totally. I would definitely say that. Totally. Yeah. 
Um, and just to wrap around, you know, to, to tell us more about the, the, the storytelling um, element. So can we ask, you know, just for the sake of our listeners, uh, Christopher, um, how, how powerful is storytelling? Why, why is it important for us to cultivate the art of storytelling? Storytelling is a fundamental part of humanity. Um, it's actually the way that we, we best learn and, and pass and retain um, information. And this is something that we've, we've used, you know, during our evolution, but it's actually something that's been corroborated by scientific study as well. Um, so it, it's even more fundamental than this. Storytelling is incredibly powerful for humans because it actually helped shape and evolve human intellect. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we tell stories and we use them for fun and for learning, but we, we use narrative differently from other animals. Um, so we've kind of advanced storytelling within our own context in, in quite a unique fashion. And that makes our stories in some ways far more powerful. So um, I spoke about this a little bit in my, in my TEDx talk and, and I kind of used the example of crows, which are very smart. You know, and they, they tell stories to each other. They, they communicate with each other. And every communication between humans is really a, a teaching and a learning experience. It's a story, really, when you listen to it. Um, there's kind of a story within everything, stories within stories, you know, woven yeah. throughout our lives. And these, um, you know, pretty much all animals use um, narrative, narrative isn't necessarily the same as storytelling. I think that's an important distinction to make. You know, a story is kind of a, it can be a tale, it can be fiction, it can be nonfiction, but a narrative realistically is a sequence of events. So you can use a narrative to very clearly list something that's happened, but a story can be used as, you know, an analogy or a metaphor or, or whatever, right? So you can, you can tell stories of things to put a totally different point across, and that's something that animals... Um, as far as we know, don't really do. So stories can be incredibly powerful. Wow, uh, that's super interesting because um, I'm, I'm just thinking about the the point you made there about um, the best way to retain information is through storytelling. Um, hmm. How how does that how does that happen? I mean, and I'm asking the question because uh, the, I guess when you're a child, right? All of us growing up you know, your ears are pricked when somebody begins to, to, to narrate a story. Um, so I'm keen to kind of delve into, I guess my question is in two parts, right? Um, why do we grow away or somewhat, you know, we lose that connection of us wanting to hear more stories and therefore telling more stories? Because when we're children, we all love stories. Um, and, and the second piece of that question is, you know, how is it so impactful? What are some of the things that it does to human beings for us to be able to retain information? So the, the first point, uh, it, it's quite interesting. I mean, how do, we, how do we grow away from stories? You know, when, when you say the word stories, for a long time, they were seen as fanciful things, child stories, you know, they're, they're not really, uh, they're flights of fantasy is what people often attribute when you hear, you know, let me tell you a story, whether yeah, the story yeah. is true or not, right? Yeah. So, we do have, uh, and this can differ culturally, right? You, you have to look, when you look around the world at how different cultures use stories, there are significant differences in, in how we do it. But this kind of branches into complexity theory, really. 
I think one of the reasons that, that we, we moved away from stories, and I think this took us a very long time as adults, is because we use stories essentially in the beginning to try to explain the world around us, right? And right. Um, one of the th examples that I used was that kind of the spread of, of information, say in, in, in prehistory, you know, somebody in the heart of Africa finds like a red clay which can be used to make new and beneficial items, right, for pots and, and coloration and whatever. So this is progress, right? Now, humans use stories to make sense of the world, so you justify how you found it, and this is where myths come from, right? So very often in the old days, because we couldn't explain, we would say, well, um, a god led me to it, or, you know, wh whatever it, it, it happened to be. You, you kind of explain it within the, the limits of your, your own um, understanding and, and kind of abstract understanding, which is an important thing that, that adults have, which children don't, is abstract kind of levels of understanding. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when this myth has been creative, it's very attractive because it explains things and it's exciting and it's new and it's interesting. And so we tell others about, you know, this red clay that we found and the, the gods that led us to it or whatever it is. And this will spread to our family and from our family to the community, to the tribe and from the tribe to other tribes when they come together and so on and so forth. So a story can travel. And this is a fundamental difference between going back to my example of crows. You know, a crow tells stories, but those stories don't travel outside the community so well. So, for example, if you if you upset a crow, they're one of the few animals that remember human faces and they will attack you on sight. Right. Oh. So don't don't up Corvid, <laughs> essentially. But but that doesn't necessarily go outside their community, you know, their their murder or their flock or whatever you want to call it. But with humans, a story can spread around the world and you won't know where it came from or who came up with it. But these stories are the basis of many religious texts. They're the story, you know, the basis of things like Aesop's fables. And and everyone has a story that isn't necessarily true. That they're like, well, you know, this guy down the pub, this happened to this guy down at the pub. And, and you tell a story because it allows you to put a point across it. It kind of explains stuff. So the interesting thing about this, this traveling of stories is, you know, in prehistory, if this story of the gods and the red clay spread enough from tribe to tribe, eventually on another continent, maybe thousands of miles away, you know, maybe decades later, somebody can hear this myth and realize that there is a red clay nearby and apply the knowledge that they gained from that story, the myth, in a beneficial fashion, right? From someone yeah. they've never met, let alone knows exists. Yeah. And I don't believe that's something that animals do, but as far as we know, I always want to add that. Um, but, but the power <laughs> of that, the fundamental aspects of stories are really important to how humans have evolved. Wow. So, you know, growing up, Chris, um, my mum would tell me some stories and looking back now as I grew older, I would know, okay, that was a lie, mum. <laughs> you know, you made that up on the spot. So my next question is, how important is it to keeping your story authentic? Okay, so this is, a, this is an interesting differentiation. Authentic doesn't necessarily mean true. Um, and you can tell a story that is fictitious, which demonstrates something that you wish people to understand. But a story being authentic, yeah, you know, it's a slightly different thing. Um, hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> but but yes, it, it is important for a story to be authentic. And yeah. 
I suppose the two, just thinking off the top of my head, you know, you've got two ways to, to make a story authentic, really. One can be that it reflects reality. Um, and one can be that it is, stays true to the message that it's trying to deliver, whether the story itself is based in reality or not. My final question. As an individual, how can storytelling help our listeners? So I would say being very aware of kind of how stories are structured and what um, what we use them for. You know, when we look at stories and and how we interface with people, they are fundamental to how we collaborate, how we accept other people. Um, it's, a, it's a primary source for, for collaboration, in fact. I mean, you know, I, I think I said in my TEDx, you know, the sharing of stories is powerfully collaborative because you feel a kinship when your stories align, right? You, you feel a part of what, what's being said. The, the me becomes we, right? So this this starts forming, uh, and I've, I won't go into too much detail, but it starts forming something called an assemblage where the stories are actually self-propagating and there's no one person that created them. And a very good example of this is the, the hero's journey, which you see in many films and books and, and so on. Yeah. It's made of assemblages of stories. So once your story aligns with someone else, you have this point of connection, this point of collaboration, uh, possibly co-creation. You feel more of a kinship, you know. Um, that that's very important, um, I think, for being able to approach and and talk to other people. It, if you don't feel a kinship with them, if you don't feel like you can collaborate or interact with them in any way, it's going to be very difficult at work, at home, and whatever. You do have to factor psychological safety into this. Not everyone wants to share their story, yeah. um, right? So if you, for example, have um, autistic traits, or if you are um, introverted or you're neurotic in, in certain ways, it's much harder to want to be open to share or even see where you can share elements of stories with other people. But there are still ways to do it. So I think it's it's good to be mindful of the people around you and understand where your narratives intersect. And, and the last thing is to bear in mind that a narrative is not a start point and an end point. It's, it's a journey. Right. It's uh, there are waypoints in all stories, but stories never really end. They just yeah. change. Yeah. Uh, no, the, the, it's so, so, um, so profound and insightful. Um, I have a final question. Uh, uh, I'm keen to understand when it comes to stories, whenever, you know, in my line of work, somebody talks about their story, for example, we have a motivational speaker as part of our town hall or, you know, any other event, there tends to be an element of emotion in the story. I guess the, the more emotion there are, the, the more um, engaged the audience become. Is emotion important? If if I want to create, if I, we have a listener out, there, you know, our listeners out there that wants to build their own personal stories, and you know, perhaps either use that to motivate others, or you know, use it in in you know in, in advancing their careers. How important is having that you know emotional element in in in, in their story? I think it's vital. Um, in fact, I don't believe a, a true story, a, a truly impactful na- uh, narrative can not have, you know, emotion in it. And, and part of this actually goes back to how we learn. A lot of people are familiar with Bloom's taxonomy, which is how we think we, we teach and pass information. But it, it's only one of the three domains of learning, right? There are actually three of them. Bloom's taxonomy is the cognitive, but you actually have an effective 
and you have a kinesthetic or psychomotor, which is a conscious and unconscious physical. Yeah. Now, one of the few methodologies for passing information that I can think of that uses all three is a story. If you stand in front of a room and you smile at them and you say, everyone here, and you, you open your arms as you say it, you know, the, the, the words are the data, the cognitive yeah. data that you're hearing and taking in. So you get quantitative and qualitative data from this. The emotion is told by the tone in your voice and the actions that you do are being inclusive in this instance or, or whatever it is. You can use movement for punctuation or triggering or all sorts of stuff. So emotion is very important because <laughs> we, we actually don't make very well-informed decisions. Humans make most of our decisions based on first fit mental patterns not yeah. optimal fit mental patterns. And this, this comes from past experience, current experience, and projected future experience. And some of that experience can be drawn from stories. If you don't have it directly, it's a kind of pseudo experience. Yeah. Um, and our response is emotional. And all you have to do is look at how people discard um, in times of you know great upheaval with elections. Uh, some of the recent elections, for example, people haven't voted on informed decision-making, they voted on emotion. People make yeah. decisions mostly based on emotion, however much we pretend we don't. And it's very human. No, that, I mean, that, that's so true. Uh, what was going through my mind, um, as you're talking there, was instances where I've been, you know, in interviews or been, you know, an interview, an interviewee, and you get asked a question, typically you get a lot, a better engagement or response when you talk, you know, when you talk about your story, they want to hear the authentic you. You know, who are you? Tell me your story. Don't tell me about, you know, what you've done and what you've achieved. Well, you can talk about what you've achieved, but they want to hear it in a story format. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so important that I think, you know, the, the message to our listeners is everybody has a story, and it's about understanding your story and and, and seeing how you can use that to impact the lives of others. Um, and, and that's essentially what myself and, you know, Roslyn, you know, we've done as part of this podcast. Uh, so we, we want to end it there, but we know we want to bring you in uh, another time, Christopher, to talk about, you know, one of the goals for this podcast is for our listeners to be able to walk away with, you know, practical tools and, and, and how they can start building it for themselves. So we're hoping at some point we'll get you back in uh, for that. Uh, we believe that that hopefully should be a part two to this. Um, but on that note, we're going to say you know, a big thank you to Christopher. Yes, thank you very much. Um, and I guess in terms of you know our, our listeners connecting with you, uh, what's the best way? I know you're on LinkedIn, but are there any other kind of socials just so that we can put it on our show notes? Yeah, and also where can we check out your TED Talks? And the well, books, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the books as well. Thank you. <laughs> all my books, well, my books are all on ChristopherBramley.com. Uh, many of them are not necessarily industry related, but you're welcome to check those out. And I am on Twitter at Christop Bramley, but uh, I can give you the link for that. And LinkedIn, of course, um, I'm there as well. So people are welcome to reach out. Awesome. Thank you very much, Christopher. Thank you. And we look forward to having you back in at Coaches and Mentors Unwrapped. Guys, it's been a pleasure. I'm sure you're probably itching for more. Stay tuned and hopefully there will be a part two. Yeah, thank you, guys. And thank you, Christopher. Thank you. For all the links to the resources discussed on this episode, click the details link 
next to the podcast. For any questions or topics you'd like to discuss, mentoring and coaching requirements, kindly drop us an email, support at cm-unwrapped.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, remember, inch by inch you form a stitch and 1% improvement daily can help you become 37 times better in a year. That's absolutely staggering. Let's go get this, guys.